Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Doing good? Hey, I'm excited uh, for today. We got baptisms today. I'm so excited to see people go public with their faith. I just want to let you know, these first three rows on both sides, there's nothing wrong with either of them. They work, all right? I know you guys like, you're hanging out in the back today. That's that's okay. I just want you to know for future reference that those seats will hold you up to, I promise, right? It's all good. But hey, today uh, we are in part three, part three of our GOAT series, all right? And some of you guys, you're not aware uh, of this, and you're like, GOAT, they're doing a series on GOATs, like, bah, all right? GOAT is an acronym. Uh, GOAT stands for the greatest of all time. So uh, a little, we've done some informal polling every week. We're going to do a a little bit more. We're going to repeat on one. So hey, I'm going to give you some options, uh, and you tell me which one you think is the GOAT. They are the greatest of all time at, fill in the blank, right? Who's the GOAT of basketball? Who's going LeBron? You think LeBron's the... We're going to get there, sir. Would you please wait? All right. Uh, that's my dad, if you didn't know. Okay. Hey, LeBron, all right? <laughs> he literally got a boo, all right? Who's going MJ? All right. I, I, I'm thinking I'm with you there. All right. Uh, who is the GOAT, the greatest of all time at golf, all right? Uh, and I, so I pulled these. These are from other people, the top two. I did not accumulate these. Is it Tiger, Tiger Woods, or Jack? All right. Who's going Tiger? All right. Who's going Jack? Some of you guys are like, I don't have an opinion on golf. Go to the next one, okay? All right, uh, goat, the goat of beverages. What is the best beverage, right? We've done this one before. We'll see if we get any, any more even here. All right, who's going Coke or Pepsi? Coke, who's going Coke, all right? I think I'd go with you. All right, Pepsi. There's a few of you, right? There's a, all right, there's a few of you out there. Now, hey, here's the deal. Very rarely when you're having a goat conversation, uh, is there any level of consensus, Right, and people become very passionate about their beliefs. For example, when I said LeBron was the greatest, uh, there was someone who could not hold it in all right, to say that MJ was better, right? Everybody has an opinion on these things, all right? Uh, and and I, I get it. Uh, the cool thing is, if you were to ask most theologians, uh, what is the greatest book of the Bible? Most, again, I'm not going to say all, but most of them would say Romans, right? And if you were to really press in on why, why uh, is Romans the greatest book? They, they, the person on which chapter of Romans uh, is the greatest chapter, they would say uh, Romans chapter 8. I love the way Charles Spurgeon said it. He said, this wonderful chapter is the cream of the cream of Holy Scripture. In this series, we've been looking at Romans 8. It is the goat chapter. It is the greatest chapter in all. It is the greatest chapter in the greatest book of the Bible. So I'm excited to continue this series. Uh, But what I want us to do before we hop into the word today, I want to set our hearts ready to receive what God has for us. So hey, would you do this for me? Would you put your arms out? Just put your palms up. Close your eyes. Just a posture of surrender. Nothing, Nothing crazy about that. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. And remember that God is just as near as the air you're breathing. God, today, would you draw us closer to you? Help our minds to put away the frustrations of this past week. Put away the distractions of the coming week. Uh, We want to fully focus on you. We come empty uh, with nothing to offer but surrender. Uh, Fill us up as only you can. Holy Spirit, move in here today with power. We believe that in advance, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, 
Amen. Hey, let's hop into Romans 8. Uh, I'm going to read a handful of verses, then we're going to go back through and walk through those a little slower together. I'm going to be at Romans 8. I'm going to start at verse 5. I'm going to finish at verse 17. Uh, I'm going to talk fast, so if you listen fast, we'll get through this quick, all right? Uh, those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Holy Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your minds leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share in his glory, we must also share his suffering. Now, I know you guys probably got all of that. Uh, but we're going to walk through that a little slower and take in some bite-sized pieces. But a few thoughts I just want to take from that passage there. Uh, your thoughts matter. That's what it talks about in those first uh, two, ver three verses there. Uh, you are not alone. The Spirit of God is with you. And the last thought I want you to hold on to is you are a child of God. Your thoughts matter. You're not alone. And you are a child of God. Uh, your thoughts matter. Have you ever noticed in life that uh, you find what you look for? Like you always find what you're looking for, right? Unless it's your kid looking for something in their room that they've lost, right? You always find what you're looking for. Your attention, what you're focused on, uh, you're going to find it. Uh, if you're looking at getting a new car, isn't it amazing how often you'll see that same card on, car on the road? Have you ever noticed that? Or you notice there's, I like that car, I see a bunch of them. If as a kid, you were looking to punch your sibling. It's amazing how many Volkswagen Beetles you find on the road, right? Slug bug, right? You get what you look for. Uh, you look for things uh, to criticize, you're gonna find things to criticize. You look for things to inspire you. Guess what? You're going to find things that inspire you. That same principle is what Paul is talking about in verses five and six. Well, let's read verse five together. There's some words in yellow. Will you say those loud and proud with me when we get there? Verse five says, those who are dominated by their sinful nature about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit about things that please the Spirit. If you think about sinful things, you're going to be dominated by them. 
If you think about things that please the Spirit, you are being led by the Spirit. What we focus on, our thoughts, uh, are incredibly important to our walk with God. Where we put our attention is so crucial because so many things fall in line with it. Uh, One guy, his name is A.W. Tozer, he said this, make your thoughts a clean sanctuary. To God, our thoughts are things. Our thoughts are decorations inside the sanctuary that we live. I like that. Your thoughts are decorations inside the sanctuary where you live. And it kind of got me just just thinking about that. Uh, If our thoughts are the decorations in the sanctuary where we live, uh, how many of you want to open up that door and let someone in? Right? Like, what's the inside of your mind look like? If your thoughts are decorations, uh, I don't think many of us would want people to see what we've got going on inside, right? They, we don't want anybody else to do it because there are some ugly decorations going on in there. Right? It's like, it's all shag rugs and like clown paintings everywhere. It's like, uh, it's an awful vibe, right? It's not a good thing, something you want to share. And the reason we wouldn't want to share that is because on the outside, it might look like things are going well. But if we look at the inside, things aren't. Our, our thoughts are not things that we should be thinking. The thoughts you have, the stuff you think about, those things matter because they pull you in a direction. Uh, And the question I have for you is, are they pulling you in a direction that you want to be moved? Are your thoughts pulling you in a direction that you want to be moved? Because where you think, that's where you're going to go. It says this in verse 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Thinking about our wrong desires is going to lead to death. Right? And I, I want to be clear, it's maybe not a physical instant death. The point is, uh, thinking about those wrong desires, it is not going to be a life-giving experience in the long run, right? And maybe even in the short run. But letting the spirit control your mind, it is going to lead to life. And not only does the spirit, following the spirit lead to life, it also leads to peace. Here we go. We got door number one. You're going to follow your flesh. All right, that's the sinful urges in you. It's going to lead to death. It's not going to be good. That's door number one. Uh, and then we got door number two. Follow the Holy Spirit of God. Right? The spirit will lead you to life and peace. It's going to be good for you. And here's where I think uh, many people think they get things twisted. And I don't think it's intentional, but they're setting themselves up for failure. I know I've been guilty of this. Instead of saying yes to door number two, all right, to the Holy Spirit, to do the things that please God, instead of saying yes here, they just say no or try to say no to the sinful thoughts over here. So I'm going to say that again. Instead of saying just yes to Jesus and Jesus' things, they're trying to say no to the, the sinful or the wrong or the immoral things. And so it's not about pursuing Jesus. It's not about being led by the Spirit. Instead, it's about avoiding the wrong things. It's not about pursuing Jesus. It's about avoiding the things that we know we shouldn't do. I want you to imagine that uh, if you use that same line of thinking uh, when it came to traveling. came to traveling. Uh, if I was like, you know what, guys? I really want to go to Dallas. You know what I'm going to do? Uh, I know Dallas and Tulsa are not the same. I'm going to avoid Tulsa. That's my, that's my roadmap to get to Dallas. I'm going to avoid Tulsa. 
Am I ever going to get to Dallas, right? Like, the, that doesn't, this don't even make sense. The goal isn't to avoid Tulsa. It's to make it to Dallas, right? But how often do we do that? Instead of saying, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to do the thing that God wants me to do, I'm going to be led by the Spirit. No, we just try to avoid the things that we know we shouldn't do. The goal with your thoughts isn't to avoid certain ones. It's to focus on the right ones. Uh, because here's the deal. When your thoughts are to avoid, it is so difficult to actually avoid thinking on something. Have you ever been like, I don't want to think about that, I don't want to think about that, and it's like just popping up in your brain, like you cannot get it out of your brain? I mean, have you, who, who, just be real with me. Who's ever woke up and be like, i got to get this thing out of my brain because I, like, I have this on my mind, I have to do this, I forgot about it, and now i got to do it, and you're trying, I just need to roll over and go back to sleep, and you can't do it. Who's ever been there? It's like, I cannot get this out of my head. You're not focusing on something else. You're just trying to avoid it, and you can't. It's literally keeping you up. I've been there. When it comes to our spiritual life, it's not, it's not going to be not thinking about these, right? Because then you're focusing on that. It's about focusing on Jesus and focusing on being led by the Spirit. Because if you're just trying to avoid it inevitably, you're going to be thinking on those things so much more. But if we change our perspective on that, instead of trying to avoid, it would change everything. Uh, because here's the deal. It's easy to say no when you have a greater yes. It's easy to say no when you have a greater yes. Uh, gentlemen, all right, picture this, all right? Your best friend just got engaged. Your best friend just got engaged. He has asked you. This is your bro, your best friend. He has asked you to be his best man. Who's going to be there, right? Your best friend just got married. Right? You're going to be there. He tells you his wedding is the same day and the same time as the Red River rivalry. It's OU Texas, right? It's easy to say no when you have a greater yes. Sorry, bro, but boomer sooner, right? No, hey, hey, I'm joking, I'm joking, but here's the deal. You get the point. It's easy to say no when you have a greater yes. When you value something more important, it's easy to say no when I've already said yes to this. It's easy, just a marriage example, right? It's easy to say no to anybody else in my life because I've said yes to my wife, right? Like I'm committed to her and it's her and nobody else. That should be true in any marriage, right? It's easy to say no when you have a greater yes. When it comes to our thought lives, we kind of live like all we need to do is to say no to the bad thoughts. I'm telling you, you will have much better success if our th thoughts were focused on saying yes to the Jesus things. If we said yes to the Spirit. And here's, here's what Paul was saying in that verse. He's telling us that everyone... Everyone is going to be controlled by something. He's going to be, you're going to be controlled by something. Is it sin or is it the spirit? Which one are you giving control to? Because we don't just uh, take control from our sinful desires, say, I'm not going to do that. Uh, we want to surrender control to the Holy Spirit. When it comes to our thought lives, we all live like that, but that's not what we want to do. We can't just say, I'm going to take control from you and I'm going to hold on to it. All right, we've got to take control and we have to give it to the Lord. We have to surrender it to Jesus. Which one are you going to give control to? Um, last week, all right, I got a lot of, it's football season. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get all these football analogies out. All right, I was watching football on Saturday and I realized on the ESPN app, on my Apple TV, that I could do multi-view, all right? Fantastic, y'all. Uh, 
you can watch four games at once, up to four games at once. And you can pick like how big the screen is and all that stuff. And I, I did it on accident. Um, actually, one of my kids was sitting on the remote and it popped up and I was like, what did you do? Right, that's kind of how discovery happens in our house. But I sit there and I think, I'm not gonna miss a thing. So I pick four different games, start watching four different games at once. Uh, and then about, ten, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, uh, my son says, somebody in the room says, hey, um, why are you just watching that commercial over and over and over again? Uh, guess what? Uh, one of the games ended, uh, and it was, I'm streaming it, so like it didn't just go to the next thing. It said, hey, your event has ended, and it just kept going over and over. And I wasn't paying any attention to that portion of the TV, right? Turns out I can only focus on one thing at a time. Only one of those squares is going to have my attention. I actually can't take all of that in. So instead of trying to do all this and trying to take it all in, why not just give one of them my full focus? Again, what Paul is telling us, he says, you, you are going to be controlled by something. Is it the spirit or is it sin? Which one are you going to give control? Because a lot of us like to think that we can take it away from one and we can pick and choose. It's not how it works. We have to give our attention. We have to give control to someone, to one of them. And it's not about avoiding the wrong one. It's about pursuing the right one. Uh, in Romans 8, starting in, in verse 9, let's, let's keep going, right? We're going to look at this next passage here. It says, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God. All right, let's, let's do that one more time. All right, let's loud and proud. You are controlled by the Spirit of God if you have the Spirit of God. Better, right? In you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in him do not belong to him at all. Let's go to the next one, maybe. There we go. And Christ lives Amen. you. Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead Amen. in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies as the same spirit living within you. Your thoughts matter. You are not alone. That's what that passage just said. God is with you. Verse 9 says, you have the spirit of God living in you. Verse 10 says, uh, Christ lives within you. Verse 11, the spirit of God, not just any God, who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with you. And he has set up shop, and he ain't going anywhere, right? And I want you to know, uh, some of you guys are like, why is that so important? Why is it so important that we're never alone? Why is it important that we have the Spirit of God living inside of us? What, like, what, what does it matter? He tells us in verse 12, he says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. No, let me put that together. Because you have God's spirit in you, you are free from the bondage of sin. You have no obligation to your sin. The Holy Spirit is greater than, is the greater yes. The Holy Spirit is the greater yes. Because you are led by the spirit, you can say no to the things, to your sinful urges. We don't have to say yes to them. Uh, there is no sin that could sneak up on you that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can't overcome. 
I, I just believe that. There is no sin that can sneak up on you and say, you have to do this. When you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is inside you, and you have no obligation. You have freedom. You are no longer a slave to sin. We used this example last week, and I think it's worth repeating that every one of us is bound to the law of sin. Uh, and we, we kind of unpacked that last week, but just real quickly, that's to say everybody in here, our default is we messed up. Our default is we have sinned. Uh, quick example, right? Uh, nobody's teaching their children how to sin, and yet, straight out the gate, they're little hellions, right? They're crying, filling the diaper, they're doing everything. Everyone on this planet, their default is sin. That baby is a-okay. Keep that baby in here. I'm happy. <laughs> that was bad timing that I said that and that happened, right? But here's the deal. That sin nature that everybody has, that sin nature is like gravity. No matter how high you jump, you are going to come back down. There is no way on your own you can defeat gravity. But there is another law, and it's the law of aerodynamics. It's what takes over on an airplane, where the law of gravity is still there, but you are transcending the law of gravity. When you get into an airplane, you are no longer tied to the ground. You have the freedom to leave it, because there was a greater law, a greater law that overcomes, it transcends the law of gravity. Verse 12 is telling us that we have no obligation to do what our sin urges, because we are not alone. The Spirit of God lives inside you. You are never in a situation where you cannot be led by the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God is, I want you to hear me this, the Spirit of God is always with you. What an encouragement. That no matter what comes your way, you are never alone. And the one who is with you is powerful. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same spirit is inside each and every believer. Okay? Your thoughts matter. You're not alone. And you're a child of God. Let's look at Romans 8, 14. Loud and proud with me, all right, on that yellow word. For all who are led by the spirit of God are of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children and we are his heirs, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share his glory, we must also share his suffering. You are a child of God. You're a child of God. I want you to, to, to look at this, this picture. Uh, and if you've ever seen that before, it's just, that's a time lapse of uh, the North Star. That spot in the middle there, all right, uh, there's a star, and that's the North Star. And the reason there are circles is because uh, that's the path the other stars took, or I guess as the Earth moved, that's what happened. And so 
uh, as the time went on, those, those other stars, they spun around from this position and there's a bright star right in the middle, the North Star. And for thousands of years, people have used the North Star to navigate this earth. They would look to the sky and they would use this star, that bright one in the middle, to navigate. Look to the sky and they would orient themselves. When you're in a new place, it's hard to know which way to go. It's a lot easier to move when you, can, when you have something that'll help you get your bearings, to understand where you're at in this world and where you're heading. And when everything is moving around, what keeps you centered? What keeps you focused on the right things? That North Star, it leads you because without it, everything else is disorienting. If you didn't have that in the middle, it was all just spinning, you wouldn't know what's going on. What's your North Star? Let me answer your question, tell you what it should be. You are a child of God. Children follow their father. I don't know if you know that. That's just how it goes. I'll never forget the morning we were eating breakfast and my, my son, he was, he was still pretty young. We're eating cereal and he is copying every move that I make, right? He's taking bites when I take. He's copying my facial expressions. He's just doing everything. He's drinking when I drink. He's holding his mouth open when I hold my mouth open. He is literally following my every move. That's just what children do. Follow their dad. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a daughter or a son of God. You are his child. Are you following your father? He's our north star. When everything is spinning and it seems like chaos, He's the one who brings things into order. We can look to him regardless of what's going on around us. It doesn't matter because our eyes are fixed to him. He's going to take care of it. We are his children. Our job is to make sense of all the stuff spinning around us. It's to fix our eyes on our heavenly father. Our thoughts matter. Fix your thoughts on him to be led by the Spirit. You're not alone. God is always with you, and you're a child of God. He has adopted you into his family. He's adopted you into his family. And today, we're going to celebrate that God has adopted more into his family. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah. Uh, and we've got people going public uh, with their decision to follow Jesus. Uh, that's, that's what baptism is. There's nothing special or miraculous about uh, staying up and going under some water. Baptism is a picture. And it's a picture of something miraculous that Jesus did for you. Jesus, the Son of God, came and he lived on this earth. He died the death that we deserve to die for our sin. And then the Spirit, that same Spirit that's living in you, it raised Jesus from the dead three days later. And that's the great reversal of the curse of sin. See, our, our sin made us enemies to God. But through the cross, through the price of his son Jesus, 
We've gone from, from enemies of God to children of God. And when we get baptized, we're going public with our faith in Jesus. We're saying, hey, I believe that he, he lived, he died, and he rose again. It's a picture of what Jesus has done for us. And the people here today that are going to get dunked, right, they're not doing, getting dunked so that they can be saved. God has already saved them. They are telling everyone here they're followers of Jesus and that the Holy Spirit lives within them. And now they're children of God the Father. I want to offer that same invitation uh, to everyone here today. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I'm following Jesus, like I'm a follower of Jesus, but I've never gone public with that decision. You've never been baptized. Uh, let's do that today. You're saying, hey, uh, um, I didn't bring the right clothes. I got, I got a button up on. I don't think I can do this, right? Like, hey, we got you covered. We even have extra underwear ready for you to wear. I know you're like, what? It's clean. It's clean. It's brand new. <laughs> All right. And then some of you guys are like, hey, I, I, would, I would love to take that step. I'd love to go public with my faith. I'm following Jesus. I need to take that. That's the next step for me. I don't want people to wait on me. I don't want people to feel like they have to have a long service because of me. Hey, Refuge Church, if someone wants to go public with their faith on Jesus, will we wait on them? Yes. yes. I, want, I want a little more conviction there. Will we wait on them? Yes. Thank you. In the back there is Don. Don, wave your hand over there. All right. Uh, if you want to get baptized, he is going to be there. He's going to assist you. Uh, he's going to get everything set up for you. Everything's back there. Uh, here in just a moment, the band is going to lead us in another song. If you need to follow Jesus, you need to take that next step in following Jesus, that step of baptism, as soon as the band starts to sing that first word of this song, stand up. Go back to him. We will get everything ready. Let's do this today. Don't wait. As soon as the band sings that first song, let's take that step. All right, let's stand and get ready to worship. If you need to take that step of baptism, don't wait. Take that step today.